You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Russia charges a cyber threat researcher with treason. Charger ransomware detected and ejected from the Play Store. Watch your apps. Too many snakes are still getting into the walled gardens. Rats evolve and return to the wild. Shamoon 2 expands its target set. A database vigilante may be out there. Cyber fraud rises in the United Kingdom. It's safer for the crooks than stick-ups. We've got some M&A and venture funding news. And that Verizon-Yahoo deal remains up in the air. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, January 25th, 2017. In news that broke early this morning, we hear that Russian authorities have arrested a senior threat researcher with Kaspersky Lab. Ruslan Stoyanov has been arrested on charges of treason. Kaspersky Lab told CNBC that the investigation and arrest are unrelated to the company, that Stoyanov is under investigation for the period where he worked for the FSB prior to joining Kaspersky. Details are sketchy and may not be forthcoming. Stoyanov was charged under a statute that permits secret trials. We'll be following the story as it develops. Checkpoint warns of Charger, a newly discovered ransomware strain found in the Energy Rescue app in the Google Play Store. Google's Android security team has managed to interdict the malware before it reached the point of mass infection. In the case of Charger, the extortionist threat is release, sale, or other abuse of stolen data mostly contacts and SMS messages. All your data is already stored on our servers, crow the hoods, who demand $180 in protection money. If you've been missing the implausibly fractured English of Gooseper 2.0 and the Shadow Brokers, and who among us hasn't been missing those boys and girls, the lingo behind Charger will make you nostalgic for the old days. You need to pay us, otherwise we will sell portion of your personal information on black market every 30 minutes. We give 100% guarantee that all files will restore after we receive payment. We will unlock the mobile device and delete all your data from our server. Turning off your phone is meaningless. All your data is already stored on our servers. We still can selling it for spam, fake, bank crime, etc. So there you go. And no friends and family discount mentioned. Charger also asked for admin permissions and, of course, were those granted would lock the infected phone. The malware was available for about four days before being taken down and Checkpoint thinks relatively few devices were affected, perhaps because the criminals were engaged in a test run. 
Zscaler and Malwarebytes are warning that two newly evolved remote access trojans, or rats, are circulating in the wild. Zscaler reports that Spynote is flying the false flag of a Netflix app. Malwarebytes says that the well-known Andro rat has become more stable, added new functionality, and increased its obfuscation. Saudi Arabia's government is concerned about the latest rounds of Shamoon 2 attacks, which this week were disclosed to have hit chemical industry targets, as well as the labor ministry. The incidents may indicate a shift in Shamoon 2's target set. November's attacks involving the malware most prominently focused on aviation operations. The original Shamoon attacks of 2012 hit Saudi Aramco. In the wake of widely reported attacks on Hadoop and MongoDB instances, it appears that a database vigilante, that's what Motherboard is calling him or her or them anyway, is on the mean streets of cyberspace, finding poorly secured databases warning their admins. The warning may be too subtle for most admins to pick up on. The vigilante is inserting an empty folder into the vulnerable database and naming it Your DB is Not Secure. We're ambivalent about vigilantes and other gray hats, but the chairman of the not-for-profit GDI Foundation tells Motherboard that, quote, it looks like a friendly warning, end quote, which is one way of looking at it. Database admins, look to your defenses. The Anthem data breach remains one of the most significant we've seen, with over 80 million customer records stolen from the healthcare company back in February 2015. The story was back in the news recently when California's attorney general announced that state actors, most likely China, were responsible for the breach. Not everyone is comfortable with that attribution. Mike Lipinski is CISO at Securonix. I think we're starting as a as an industry to start using the state actor concept. It happened with Yahoo. It's happening now with Anthem. It's happened with you know, OPM. A lot of them are blaming the state actor concept. And I just think that we're getting a little too uh, careless with using that as a get out of jail free card. It's, you know, regardless of whether it's, you know, me attacking your system or a state actor attacking your system, I, I think we have to make sure that we're providing the, uh, the same protections to uh, to eliminate that from happening. Uh, I understand that the logic behind using a state actor excuse is that, well, they're well-funded, they have a lot of tools, they have a lot of money, we can't possibly stop them from getting in if they want to get in. But I guess my fault, or my argument to that is if you look at all the current reports that are out that, uh, you know, the after the fact, just like this Anthem one, or if you even look at the reports that, uh, you know, the NSA released and their review of all of the uh, breaches over the last three years, you know, these companies aren't exploiting any new vulnerabilities in these attacks. They're attacking things that we've known about for many, many years. So, you know, there's really not an excuse if we're doing our jobs well to, to allow these breaches to keep happening if we, if we get a little bit more diligent about uh, taking care of our environments. What's the takeaway here? What, what is, what is a, what, what's a better way for Anthem to have handled the situation? From a breach standpoint, I, I think all organizations, and I won't just pick on, on Anthem because it's, it's really every organization you've read about or uh, you know, heard reported on in the last couple of years, the, the data that they needed to identify the attack quickly has been in their environment. We've always been able to go in after the fact from a forensic standpoint and determine who did what, when, and how. Uh, we're just not using that data uh, well in a proactive fashion on the whole. You know, you've got your prevent, detect, respond components of security. Prevent, you have to agree, is going to fail. I think that's what we're saying with, you know, the whole state actor breach. If people want to get in bad enough, they can. So, okay, if we're going to subscribe to that concept, then that, you know, brings us to our detect and 
respond component of our security infrastructures, I think that's where we need to get better. I think we need to get better at finding that breach when it happens so we don't allow people to stay in our networks, uh, you know, 200, 300 days and, and exfiltrate data and, uh, you know, leave. The breach is inevitable, but the exposure doesn't have to be. That's Mike Lipinski from Securonix. Cisco is patching its WebEx Chrome plugin. Users are advised to update. The vulnerabilities addressed are potentially serious. KPMG reports that cyber fraud cost the United Kingdom some £124 million in 2016, and that's a lot. KPMG tracked fraud cases in British courts to arrive at its figures. And who's behind the rise in cybercrime? Skids to a significant extent. Ilya Kolichenko, CEO of web security firm Hitech Bridge, told us that, quote, what is particularly alarming is the rise of small online fraud committed by teenagers and people with almost no technical skills, end quote. Cybercrime is seen by many hard-scrabble crooks as a relatively low-risk, high-payoff proposition, especially when compared to stick-ups and muggings. In industry news, RiskIQ buys Macabim for its brand threat project management capability, Cisco is acquiring AppDynamics for a reported $3.7 billion. Reuters floats the rumor that Keysight Technologies is considering buying Ixia. Venture Capital hasn't been idle either, as Sentinel-1 closes a $70 million Series C round. And Secret Double Octopus, specialists in multi-factor authentication, gets $6 million in Series A funding from Jerusalem Venture Partners. And finally, what does Verizon have to say about the new SEC investigation of Yahoo's breach disclosure and Yahoo's announcement that its deal with Verizon will be delayed at least until April? Well, nothing. As far as we can tell, Verizon is keeping its counsel and holding its corporate tongue. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business.
And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Avas Rashid. He heads the Academic Center of Excellence in Cybersecurity Research at Lancaster University. Uh, Professor Rashid, uh, certainly the IoT is top of mind these days with the uh, the major uh, hacks that we've seen, the the, the botnets and so forth. Um, today, though, you wanted to talk about uh, IoT when it affects the healthcare industry. Uh, yes, um, uh, we have recently seen, as you note, that uh, IoT devices have been used in large-scale attacks. And we let me start by saying the Internet of Things is a very uh, promising development where we can use a high level of connectivity in in really a number of key applications such as uh, digital health, whereby implantable medical devices or body area networks can help us but one of the things we need to bear in mind is that one of the things we must not do as we design these devices is to ignore security, uh, because in due course, as we have seen in other domains, such as uh, industrial control systems and critical and national infrastructure, once these devices are connected to other networks, that opens them, them up to uh, various potential vulnerabilities and attacks. And we've already seen this in high-profile attacks. So there are a number of threats that we need to think about. So first of all, there is the what you would call the telemetry interface in these devices where uh, potential attackers can uh, you know eavesdrop or replay forged commands for instance uh, to make the device do something that that it shouldn't be doing we've already seen the use of these devices in malware can you imagine somebody's pacemaker for instance being used in, in, in as part of a botnet but there are also more subtle ways in which these things can can uh, can be compromised so you don't necessarily need to for example make the device do something you can just do enough to the device to cause sensor or actuator failure, uh, thereby uh, you know compromising trust in the device, or you can maliciously inject some data that no longer allows you to trust the information that you are getting from the device, and in which case it is absolutely useless. So, how can organizations protect themselves from that kind of thing? I think the fundamental principle that we need to use with regards to uh, health IoT is: if it is not secure, it is not safe. Uh, and 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 that's that's the fundamental thing. A lot of these uh, we have a very good uh, understanding of safety within within uh, the health environment, and I think we need to extend that towards security and ask the question: If this device is not secure from a cybersecurity perspective, is it really safe uh, to utilize in a in a health setting? And we are increasingly seeing seeing regulators actually uh, get much more uh, aware of these issues. The other thing that we really uh, need to think about is that uh, the, the, these devices don't operate on their own. They will come into contact with a range of other systems simply because they are networked. And it is not just about securing what's on the device, but also the environment in which these devices are placed and actually understanding the interactions with that environment and how we may secure those interactions so that the device itself uh, itself is uh, a device and the data it is utilizing is protected in, in an effective fashion. Professor Avas Rashid, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. 
Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.